Our reading this evening is from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians uh, chapter 4, reading verses 10 to 13 and verse 19. Paul wrote, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Well, I'm uh, feeling a little apprehensive on two counts tonight. Um, one, this is my first time up here as my home church. When you go and visit a church and you preach and they don't invite you back, that's fine. But, um, yeah, it, thank you, though, to those who've taken the trouble to come and, and, uh, and see what I've got to say tonight, uh, because uh, I, I do appreciate that. Uh, the other reason I'm feeling apprehensive is that I may come across as a bit of a grumpy old man uh, with this theme tonight, which is, am I happy? Am I happy? Um, the reason I've titled the talk that is because I think this is a question that somehow has found its way right into the center of our modern living, our modern culture. And it's a question that I think has quite a few significant consequences. And what I want to do this evening is just think about uh, what this question means in the context of our, our culture. And also think then about uh, how that relates to our faith and how we live out our faith. So this question lies at the center of our culture. And, and I think because there is this desire to be happy in our culture and this constant questioning of whether we are happy, we sort of develop an unhealthy dissatisfaction with life. And there's a focus very much on me implicit in this question. Am I happy? So my concern, as I say, is that I don't come across as a grumpy old man. I would like to make it absolutely clear. I'm, it's fine with me if you're happy. That's great. I'm glad about that. There's no reason why we shouldn't be happy. I, I want us to be happy. But I think if we let this question be the main question in our our life, our, our reference point for life, then we're missing something fundamental. So let's unpack what am I happy might mean in the culture that we're in. And uh, the first one of these is, do I have all the things I want? I mean, we live, do we not, in a very materialistic society, a very consumerist society. And this question is something that is subconsciously whirring around in our minds every time we see an advert and we see hundreds, if not thousands, of adverts a week. 
couple of quotes for you. Advertising is the art of convincing people to spend money they don't have for something they don't need. And how about this one? Good advertising does not just circulate information. It penetrates the public mind with desires and belief. I'm a bit of an observer of adverts. I like adverts. I think they're incredibly clever things, the way that they can compact a message into, you know, I'm, I'm talking about television adverts, into, what, 30 seconds or so. And they're very powerful. And very rarely do they actually tell you anything specific about the product or the, the thing that they want you to buy. Uh, it's all about image, isn't it? It's all about... Often happiness comes into it. The people who have, have got this thing, whatever it is, are very happy. And that's quite clear. That comes across and you sort of register that. Um, you're not quite sure why this particular moisturizer or shaver or car makes them so happy, but there's, it is absolutely clear they are happy. And this is something that inevitably influences our thinking. And we want stuff, don't we? We want stuff. We, we, we're always being persuaded that we should have stuff. Now, I chose that reading from Philippians chapter 4 um, because I think this is a, a little passage that helps us to counter some of that, that thinking. Paul, at the time of writing this letter, is uh, probably on, under house arrest in, in Rome. Uh, so his movement is certainly restricted, but he is able to receive visitors and take gifts. And the Philippian church has sent him a gift. And uh, he's, he's grateful for it. He makes it quite clear in other verses in, in this letter in Philippians that he's grateful for this gift. Uh, the Philippian church is quite a well-off church. It's, um, uh, Philipp uh, Philippi was a significant city in Macedonia, a prosperous, a prosperous Roman colony. And uh, in fact, it had been granted uh, the honor of being equivalent to an Italian city. So all the people who were citizens of Philippi were also Roman citizens. So they were well off and they were well regarded in the, uh, the Roman Empire. And they, out of their um, wealth, sent a gift to support Paul, who was in prison in Rome. But Paul seems to want to make a point, doesn't he, in his letter. He says he's thankful, he, he rejoices that they have sent him a gift. But he makes the point that it's not because he was in need. Uh, and in fact, he seems to be giving them a warning. Thank you, but be careful. Because if you think that actually what you've done for me um, is actually going to put me in a better position, then you're missing something. And Paul is sort of challenging, isn't he, the, the idea of what wealth means in our lives. Am I happy? Do I have all the things I want? For Paul, he was able to say, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. There have been times in his life when he's been well off. But he's, he's wary of both of those things. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. So that's 
something we need to take on board. Am I happy has a number of other connotations as well. Another question that might be attached to it would be, are my relationships working for me? So we've got materialism, we've got the, the things, but then there's the question of relationships. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with the question about relationships. Uh, are, are my relationships working is a very good question to be asking, isn't it? But if the emphasis is on me, if it's all about me, then I think the balance is wrong. Every relationship is about give and take, isn't it? But I think our society is more likely to be asking the question, does that relationship work for me? We all know that marriage and even lifelong commitment through partnership is in decline. The number of people who are living um, single lives, which is absolutely fine, of course, but that, that is increasing as the relationships come and go and change. There's a de decline in lifelong commitment. Are my relationships working for me is often the reason behind those breakups. But I'm not just talking about relationships in that sort of marriage and partners field, family relationships. There's another advert which I've uh, noticed on the television. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, there's, uh, I think it's the father is sort of sitting on his sofa trying to watch something on the television, but he's disturbed by all the other people who are in, his, uh, in the room, and there's a bit of vying over what to watch. And the solution, which makes everybody happy, is to have this wonderful internet hub so that everybody can go to their separate rooms and watch their own thing. And uh, this is this is the product that, uh, that they, they put out there. And um, again, it's, it's that thing about relationships. Are my relationships working for me? Do, do I get what I want out of my family relationships? And then there's community, isn't there? Community is another big area of relationships. There's less interaction than there used to be. Um, and technology is a big part of that, isn't it? You know, the fact that how often do you walk down the street now or catch a train or a bus and everybody is on the phone and uh, not interacting with each other, not even making eye contact, but busy with their own interactive world with other people. There's personalized technology versus commercial, oh, sorry, communal uh, life. So when we think about that and the way that we are encouraged to think about relationships these days, I, find, I think church is a very special place. Church is a rare place where people come together, people of all different um, age groups and backgrounds. And in this context, we, we do have the opportunity to have a genuine community together. It's a special place. But I think... It's probably true of many of us, and certainly myself. We've asked, I've asked myself the question, oh, am I happy with my church? And uh, we find ourselves catching again this question, am I happy? We start to think of the church as a consumer product that we can, we can swap and change. There's a third uh, aspect that I think I uh, just wanted to draw out under this, am I happy? And that's 
Do I enjoy my work? Do I enjoy my work? I've actually put work stroke life because I know not everybody works. Uh, but if I think about work, it, it's another observation, I guess, on uh, life that attitudes have changed about work considerably. I have three children. They're all millennials, according to the definition on uh, Google that I found, born between 1981 and 1996. This makes them millennials. So the three of them um, live in this generation, and I'm not just talking about them, but their whole generation, where there are so many times you've heard people, I've heard people say, oh, well, I, I did that for a bit, but I wasn't enjoying it, so I, I gave it up. And, um, or I did this course at university, but I wasn't enjoying it, so I, I gave it up. Now, again, no reason why people shouldn't swap and change on things, but it seems to me that this is part of this same desire to be happy, to be constantly looking for something different, and to be encouraging, in fact, an unhappiness, because we're always looking for something um, beyond, something that'll change. And then a fourth aspect. Am I living my true identity? Identity has certainly become a key word in our society, hasn't it, in terms of issues that we face, whether it's gender, sexual orientation, possibly race, ethnicity. And then there's this uh, sense of finding or being your true self. I blame Disney for this. Disney films have a very strong theme around this, this idea of somehow breaking out of some sort of uh, restriction and finding your, your true self. And uh, no, I, I genuinely think, I genuinely think that um, generations have come through this idea that I want to be something else. I want to be something else. But there's, um, there's some hard reality to this. I think often when the grass looks greener on the other side, it isn't when you get there. Jesus told a story about a young man who wasn't happy. Let me stick to the next slide, Evan. Uh, yeah, this, this was a young man who didn't have all the things he wanted. In fact, he was so keen to get what he wanted that um, he went to his father and said, I know I'm going to inherit when I die, but I don't want to wait that long. I want my inheritance now. And his father decided to let him have that. And when he had all the money that he wanted, then he started to uh, spend it and, uh, on the things that he wanted. He wasn't happy with his relationships. He wasn't happy living at home where he was the son and uh, he was under his father's um, oversight. So he moved away. He started new relationships, made new friends. He certainly wasn't happy with his work. He worked on his father's farm and, uh, yeah, that didn't suit him at all. He wanted to, uh, to do what he wanted to do. 
And in terms of identity, no, he wasn't the son of his father. He wanted to find his true self. He wanted to be himself. We all know this story, don't we? The prodigal son. And uh, interesting that Jesus identified that same sort of underlying cultural concept that says, no, I'm not happy. There's so many things in my life I'm not happy about. So I've painted this rather broad picture. Uh, and I think, well, I hope that you'll recognize some of these questions that, that are there in our, in our culture. But I need to offer something that's different to that. I need to, to suggest something that will help us in our Christian faith to counter that sort of pressure to be constantly asking ourselves, am I happy? And what I, what I would like to replace the am I happy with is not a, another question, but a statement. Not am I, but I am. I'm not talking about one of the I am statements of, of Jesus, but I am a child of God. I am a child of God. 2 Timothy 2 verse 19 says this, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows who are his. Paul talks about a solid foundation standing firm and sealed with an inscription. You can imagine him thinking about one of the, the monuments that, uh, that, was, that were common in, in the Roman world with an inscription underneath. And his inscription on this firm foundation is, the Lord knows who are his. This certainty that I am a child of God. John 1 verse 12, Jesus, uh, John, John is talking about Jesus and he says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not servants, not acquaintances, but children of God. There's a tremendous certainty in this, isn't there? In this little phrase, I am a child of God. In John 10, Jesus himself, when he's talking about the good shepherd, says, no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I am a child of God. I would put this forward as a very powerful way to reference your life. Not as, am I happy, but I am a child of God. The sense of security that this brings. Let's go back to the prodigal son. So there he was, unhappy with life and looking for alternatives, looking for different things. It didn't work out, did it? We know how the story unfolds. The things he thought would bring him happiness didn't last. And so, in the end, he returns to his father, repentant. He's looking for a new type of relationship. And 
I think it's useful for us to compare the before and after for this young man. In terms of possessions, well, he'd lost his own possessions, hadn't he? They'd all gone. But by coming back into his father's household, he regained the glory of his father's possessions. Relationship, that was certainly restored as he returned to the father. His work, well, he said, didn't he? As he came home, he said, make me one of your hired servants. He changed his attitude entirely. He wanted to come and just work as one of the servants. Although his father said, no, no, you're my son. But he was wanting to come back into that working relationship. And his identity, that had been renewed as well, reborn. He was happy. He was very happy to become accepted by his father. Uh, And when his father gave him a, a new cloak and put a ring on his finger to become one of his father's children again, that was an identity that he now embraced. Possessions regained, relationships restored, work refreshed, identity reborn. It's a wonderful story, isn't it? And it's a picture, of course, for all of us about how, when we come to God, we find a new set of possessions, relationships, a new approach to work and life, a new identity. The last slide I've got up here is a set of questions that I want to suggest might be useful for us to think on. If we take on board this idea that our reference point for life should be, I am a child of God, then what questions do we need to ask ourselves? Am I thankful and generous when it comes to possessions? Matthew 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. When it comes to relationships, am I loving and forgiving? John 13, a new command I give you, love one another. When it comes to work or life, am I serving him? In Ephesians 6, Paul says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Whatever it is you do, serve as if you were serving the Lord. And in terms of identity, am I becoming more like him? There are some wonderful verses of that transformation that God is bringing about in our lives as we allow him to. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says this, We who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit.